Hello, and welcome back to Idiot's Alphabet Soup. Today, we're going to be talking about Project Hail Mary. How do you feel about that, Jenny? I am so excited. I absolutely loved this book. Um, and yeah, I'm just really excited to, to beat it to death with our observations. <laughs> okay, great. All right. So why do we pick this book first of all? Yeah, so um, we both read this for a reading challenge that we're doing. It's called Brighter Winter. And I actually, I chose it because you had put it on your list as like one of the books set during a journey, like categories. And yep. um, another one was to do a buddy read. So I was like, oh, I'll just read that book. Um, and then we both really loved it. Yes, I'm so glad we did that. Although, like, while we're on the topic of Brighter Winter, I would like to sincerely apologize for the Dorian Gray bit. Because <laughs> I told you <laughs> to read Dorian Gray because, oh, the protagonist is over 60 years old because he's, like, immortal. And he dies um, at, like, 38. <laughs> yeah, so I apologize. Um, I didn't read Dorian Gray since I was, like, in high school. It's and fun. in my I was mind, able- I thought he was immortal. Yeah, it, it worked out anyway because I was able to use it for, like, a different one. And then at the last minute, I read The Housekeeper and the Professor really quickly to be like, this one has a main character who's over 60 or whatever. Yeah, and you know what? It's awesome because we both uh, completed our grids for January. Yes, I think this is the first time I've actually completed all 20 of them. Uh, And so I was quite proud of myself. It's not going to happen for February. I was struggling. Yeah, I was like struggling for um, to finish because you got me that last like medical memoir book on the 27th and it was like 300 pages okay that's like it might have been you didn't you hadn't had a medical memoir book planned we're kind of off topic though so um, okay sorry why don't we well okay first of all we have a new introductory segment it's all thanks to Catherine. so uh why don't you introduce us to that Catherine? well okay so two weeks ago, we've already decided on what our podcast topic was going to be, which was um, Project Hail Mary. And I was thinking, how zany would it be if we talked to the author about it? And so I looked um, I looked him up on the internet, as the kids say, and I found his email and I just said, hey, Mr. Wire, um, we're two math grad students and we're so obsessed with physics, which is like kind of not true. Maybe it is. It's a little bit of a stretch, but um, I just went with that and I asked him, it would be cool if you could join us on the podcast. We have a lot of like thoughts about it and we love the book. And he emailed back, actually, and he said no. <laughs> so the idea is maybe we'll start a segment where every time we talk about a book, we email an author, email the author to see if they want to come on the podcast. And then if they say yes, they're on the podcast. And if not, we'll tell you exactly how they rejected us. Yeah. So in this case, Andy, no, his name is Weir, not Wire. It is oh, Weir. Bad. I was going to say maybe the reason he didn't come on the podcast was because you keep pronouncing his name wrong. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, please don't cancel me. But anyway, Mr. Weir responded back with, that sounds interesting, but no, I have a new baby and I'm quite busy. And I was like, oh, th- that's thanks for replying, I guess. That, that was like kind of nice of you. Um, I really wasn't expecting anything of it, but nice. Yeah, honestly, would not have re- expected a response, but we do love you, Mr. Weir. <laughs> we appreciate you and all that you do. All anyway. Right. So, Look, Project Hail Mary. We're yes. thinking we'll give like a spoiler free summary of like what the book's about um and then if you haven't read the book and you don't want to hear spoilers you can stop (laughs) i mean obviously we'd love it if you listened but like there will be spoilers after the spoiler free summary um and this is one of the like there's some books where spoilers don't really matter this is one where i would say like spoilers okay so project hail mary what's it about so Rylan Grace wakes up in a spaceship with two dead bodies and he has no memory of who he is, what he's doing, and like why he's there. He looks out the window and realizes he's not even in the solar system. He's like far, far away. And then what? Well, so and then he starts to like 
like this is a, a story about his journey of like him gaining these memories and realizing that he's on a quest to save humanity essentially um i feel like that's not a spoiler right like there's i mean that's all like first chapter stuff. yeah yeah so like humanity's in danger it's his job to save everybody basically um and yeah so it's kind of his story of like going through this process of trying like being alone in space and trying to save humanity and it's i don't know i'd say it's a, a really powerful book about a lot of a lot of things like humanity and, and friendship and like what you're willing to sacrifice for other people or for the good of humanity yeah i think we can talk a little about the crisis that's happening on earth right yeah so basically what happens is that people start to realize that there's this bright line that's connecting the sun to venus and they also notice that the sun is getting dimmer and so they take samples of these like objects that are in the this like line between the venus i mean venus and the sun and they realize that there are actually like these tiny organisms that are eating the sun's energy and moving to venus to reproduce and so basically they have this invasive species that is taking energy from the sun making it dimmer and like gradually it will kill the sun and as a result the rest of humanity and so so it's like ryland yeah go ahead yeah and then you go (laughs) okay so it's like not only is their like alien life which is like oh my word what's going on it's also like this is like threatening humanity because as they take this energy from the sun you know the earth is getting colder and like the idea is that eventually maybe all of humanity won't die but a solid portion of it um and so like as ryland gets his memory back he realizes that like his mission is to find out how earth can be saved and that like ultimately he's not going to be going back to earth like this is a suicide mission yeah anyway mm-hmm. so that's about where you can stop with with no spoilers but it is it's a really good book it's really like entertaining and easy to read and it's um it makes you think in some ways okay so there ends the spoiler free discussion right yeah, that's like as about that's about as much ins- information as we can give without okay. like completely destroying the book. <laughs> so, from this point on, if you haven't read the book, um prepare to have it spoiled for you. <laughs> we are not responsible. <laughs> we are not responsible. All right. So, Catherine, you are mm-hmm. a big themes person. <laughs> Whenever you read Indeed. a book, you always try and find the themes. So what would you say are some of the big themes in Project Hail Mary? I think there are like, there are several things that, hmm, there there are like a lot of big ideas that are floating around in the noodle. And I think we can synthesize all of these ideas into like one thing, which is like, how do we keep nature in a state of equilibrium? It, it first comes in this form of like, I say invasive species of, they call them astrophages, who take the sun's energy and reproduce, but they don't have any natural like predator. And so us as intelligent human beings, we have to kind of compensate for that and figure out how to get rid of them or like how to fix this problem. In doing so, Humanity decides, well, we need to save ourselves. And so they do all sorts of destructive things. Like, for example, in the book, they bomb Antarctica to release methane gas so they can, like, (laughs) keep heat inside the Earth. And is that maintaining nature's equilibrium by destroying other biomes? Or are we just, like, are we just, like, making the problem worse? Yeah. You know what I mean? And then, if, like, 
I don't want to keep talking, but you know, when like the whole point of Ryland going to going on his space mission is to go to this one star that's nearby that didn't um, start dimming. And he realizes that, oh, there's another organism that is the natural predator to the astrophage. And so maybe, and then he takes that and reintroduces it to like the Earth's ecosystem and then nature is sort of like back in equilibrium. If that makes sense. Also, yeah. I re- I'm sorry, like this came out of nowhere for you because I just <laughs> thought of it like 10 seconds you before we started talking. This, was like, this, was, this was not one of the things we noted, but it is very good. Um, but yeah, what do you think about that, Jenny? I think that that's a really good point. Like that was a big, a big theme in the book. It's like this sort of like the, that I guess destruction that can come with an imbalance of nature like that. Um, Cause then like ultimately the idea for the solution to the problem is when they find the Taumiba, which are like a, a natural predator to the astrophages. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that that like doesn't play like another big part of the book is the, interaction between um ryland and rocky the alien that he meets <laughs> and like that, oh, by the way like he meets an alien <laughs> he meets an alien who's like intelligent life like right about where humans are it's a uh, yeah by the way that happens <laughs> that was one of the spoilers <laughs> um but like the for them it's not so much of a like nature imbalance thing but it is a really interesting thing to see how, like, the the two of them interact and, like, those, I guess, interactions of nature. But is it just, like, I feel like it's still the same thing in a way where we thought our universe was this tiny, but it's actually bigger than what it is. But what does that you have know? to do with, like, predators? <laughs> I'm saying that, like, (laughs) is this stupid? It's okay. We can cut this out. It's okay. We can cut some of this out. Okay. I would say that another big theme in the book is, like, sacrifice and trade-offs. And kind of in the same thing that you were saying, but it was, like, how much are we willing to give up or to risk for the sake of humanity? Um, so, you know, there's like Ryland being in space, like knowing that he's going to die for the sake of humanity. And then like ultimately finding out that it wasn't even his choice to be there. Um, or like his crewmates who, who did choose, they like volunteered to go on a suicide mission to save humanity. So like they were willing to risk their lives. Um, and then you also have yeah. things like, like you mentioned, like being willing to bomb Antarctica in order to potentially give humanity a few more years or like put someone like Strat in power um, and like have give them the power to potentially do irreversible damage. But like there might be a chance for humanity to survive. And so does that make mm-hmm. it worth it? So what do you think about that? How what is the price of humanity? Is it worth the suffering of all the other creatures on the planet? I don't know. Because in some, like, instinctively, I tend to think, yes, like, humanity is key. And especially from, like, a Christian perspective, you think, like, well, we are the ones who are created in God's image. Like, obviously, we should be the ones to survive. But I think there's also a point to be made, which is that, like, can human, I mean, this comes back to your idea of, like, nature and balance. Like, if you have humanity and nothing else, Humanity can't survive. survive. Yeah. And, like, if you want to get biblical, aren't we supposed to take care of all God's creatures? I mean, And his creations? We are. But then also, like, like, we eat animals, so... Okay, here's the question, is do we take care of God's creatures in creation just because they are, like, they exist? Or do we take care of them because ultimately having them around benefits humanity? I think we take care of them because of equilibrium. (laughs) oh man i'm sorry (laughs) Um, okay because okay here's the the crazy part about what's going on right Mm -hmm. 
is usually when humanity destroys other creatures or like destroys the planet it's because they're they're gathering like resources to benefit themselves but it's like no no we're doing this because because there's like no other choice like we're gonna all die but i feel like the options were at that point we're gonna kill you or you're gonna die yeah yeah because like ultimately if if the world got as or if the earth got as cold as it would get like the life that would die like only the extreme forms of life would survive and like those are the extreme forms of life that will probably not go extinct when we blow up the antarctic yeah anyway anyway <laughs> let's wrap up this part and move on to the next one <laughs> agreed okay what other big themes have we not talked about really um the only one that i can think of is like hope maybe like Mm -hmm. i think that that's part of and like i think we'll maybe talk about this later of like what made ryland grace a really intriguing character was that despite the fact that he was in such a hopeless situation like every time he was faced with like oh no something's going wrong he seemed to have this like hope about him that like things could work out or like things were worth fighting for um and so, yeah, it's, I wouldn't say it played, like, a big part through, the, like, in the book. It wasn't, like, a big overarching theme, but it was, like, a thread that ran throughout the entire story. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So let's move on and talk about, well, what did you like in the book? Like, what was realistic and what was not? And I'm asking in a STEM way. <laughs> yeah. To so, be clear. To be clear. <laughs> I mean, okay. So one of, I think, the like key things about Andy Weir's writing is that he tries really hard to make the science in his book re- books realistic. Um, mm-hmm. And like, I don't remember. I feel like I heard Hank Green say this in like a TikTok or something that he read. I think it was Project Hail Mary. And, like, noticed that something, like, noticed an inconsistency in the science there and told Andy Weir. And Andy Weir was like, oop, let me change it. <laughs> so, like, I I felt like for a lot of it, like, the, the actual stuff that was written on the page mm-hmm. seemed very reasonable for the most part. Um, mm-hmm. The thing that did not seem believable to me is that <laughs> a high school science teacher, like, knew as much and was as competent as Ryland Grace was. That seems like a bit of a stretch i so agree with that because rylan grace knows all about math he knows all about computer programming engineering etc etc and like he said something about like um the answer the computer asked him a question and the answer was two but he answered it in a way with like imaginary numbers. And I'm like, no molecular biologist is gonna know anything about complex numbers. Just like how I am completely ignorant about all things biology. Like there's just no overlap there. It's crazy. Yeah, cause like it was a, it was like a cube root of two and he gave one of the, yeah, like complex roots. Um, and like, it wasn't even that he cube gave- Cube root it, of he, eight. Oh yes, cube root of eight, sorry. Um, yeah, and he gave it, like, he didn't even give it as, like, he gave it as an E to the I pie sort of thing. But it wasn't E to the I yeah. pie. Like, he gave it in that form, not the, like, A plus I B form. <laughs> Which is something that yeah. I feel like, you only really, like, if you're learning learning that, you come across that in, like, complex analysis, maybe in a calculus yeah. class. I don't know. It just, it seems unlikely that that would be the thing that was he's like barely has any memory and he's gonna say that really yeah and i think it's like i guess it's one of those like moments like if you're in a tv show and the guy like catches a bullet out of thin air like that's how it felt like like ooh, <laughs> i'm establishing that i'm good at math <laughs> yeah. um but yeah that was the the part that bothered me the most also he had mad like computer programming skills because he meets Rocky, this alien, and he 
finagles his way into like making this program that can translate Rocky's music sounds into um, an actual like language that he can yeah. understand. Yeah, that part. Well, okay, I I was able to like suspend my disbelief for him like making the computer program but the thing that got me was how quickly he learned the language i was like i've been on duolingo for a while and i i'm struggling like maybe that i've was, like, been on duolingo for 60 days mister and i've only learned 175 words <laughs> granted i'm only usually on duolingo for like 15 minutes a day but still speaking of duolingo this is an aside but did you see that we uh we completed our friend's quest today i i did i sent you a high five. Oh no i didn't get your high five i sent you a high five though oh okay i didn't get it either but i'm glad that we high-fived each other (laughs) me too i'm proud of us okay also okay yes there's another thing about language that bothered me i i swear i love you mr weir Blah, 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 blah. These, these are just, like, nitpicky things. But, like, when Andy Weir was learning the language, I mean, not Andy, <laughs> Rylan Grace, when Rylan was learning um, the language, like, how, how can you, um, how can you convey complex ideas like Grace, right? Uh, Rocky calls him Grace, but Grace in Rocky's language. Like, how did he convey an idea of, like, what Grace is? Yeah. It makes me wonder, like, like because part of the thing here is that the two of them had, like, they were spending all day to, with each other, and all they were doing was learning each other's language, essentially. Mm-hmm. And so I guess I wonder, like... If you were, like, if, let's say you and I, I wanted to learn Filipino, (laughs) and you couldn't speak Mm -hmm. English, and we were put in a room together, like, how far could the two of us get in a week if we spent all of our waking hours together just trying to figure out each other's language? I don't know. And that's not even a, a good comparison either, because... We live in the same universe. That's true. Like, we know what a day looks like. We know how to draw something to convey tomorrow. Yeah. Or the day and before. Like, and, like, even... I also know that, like, you are going to feel the same emotions that I will. Yes. How does Rylan Grace know that when Rocky says friendship, he means friendship? Like, what if to Rocky that's, like, something else? Yeah. Well, like, he says nose, and Rocky thinks it's a butt crack. Like, you don't know. <laughs> they don't have the same body parts. They don't have the same experience. They don't live in the same planet. They should not be able to learn each other's language in, like, ten... In, like, a week. Yeah. Um, I promise we did actually love this book. <laughs> okay. Um. But, yeah, there were a few... The other... I think this is my last, like, nitpicky thing with the book. Um, and that is, okay, like, again, like, obviously, narratively, you needed this. But the fact that Ryland's memory comes back linearly seems a little bit dubious to me. I mean, like, maybe, like, oh, it's the effect of the serum that he's given. But, like, it seems like it shouldn't be that way. Because I feel like from, I, I haven't heard a lot of, of, of neuroscientists talk about this. But it seems like if you were recovering from amnesia, that, like, memories would sort of come back in weird bits and pieces out of order, and you'd have to try try to kind of sort that out. But we, like, watch it come back linearly. At that point, it was what was most appropriate for the storytelling. Um, yeah, it is very convenient. But then a lot of things are convenient for the sake of, like, moving the story along like him being able to actually learn rocky's language yeah honestly i didn't want to (laughs) sit i don't want to sit there and watch them figure out i mean like read about them figuring out how to talk to each other yeah a chapter or two that was enough for me and then let's get the story moving kind of thing yeah and so like ultimately a lot of these beefs you can kind of just set to the side because it's like oh well 
he has to tell the story. Yeah, the whole point, it's not a science book, is it? It's sci-fi, and it's all about the adventure. And this is just the the fi part of it. Exactly. I'm not reading a sci book, I'm reading a sci-fi book. Imagine if people just like, like books that were about science or, or like fiction books, people only refer to them as sci or fi. Like, oh yeah, I read a lot of fi. I'm dead. But when it came to like orbital velocities and that sort of thing, I'm, I'm just like assuming that it was all good because I don't know enough about the physics to be able to like. I feel like I know, I know enough that I could read it and be like, oh yeah, I know what a centrifuge is. But I don't I know it. enough to be like, oh, that's that's not right. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I, I know what every other word is in this paragraph. I I get it. I get it. Yeah. Because actually, I gave a review of this book on my book Instagram. Um, mm-hmm. And someone commented and said that they actually did not enjoy the book, which I was like, this is such a good book. How could you not enjoy it? But anyway, that's like, obviously, that's their prerogative. Um, but one of the things that they mentioned was that, your like, book, your choice. <laughs> I hate that. Um, but anyway, one of the things they mentioned was that like a lot of the science stuff went over their head. And I felt like I was at a place that that wasn't the case. But I also wasn't I don't know enough science to be like, oh, that wasn't right. If it had been yeah. all math, oh, I would have been pointing things out. But um, see, yeah. What we really need is a sci-fi book, or should we introduce our own genre, the math-fi book? I think you mean math-fi. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I, well, I love Well, there are this. like books like that, but not a lot of good ones. Yeah. I'm trying to think of, I don't think I've read any like math fiction books. What about Housekeeper and the Professor? Oh, right. Yeah, okay, never mind. There was that one. That one's good. Uh, Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime. I, um, that, have you read that one? I have, yeah. I, I didn't say it was good. I just said it exists. <laughs> That's true, it exists. Yeah. Um, and there's also Flatland, which is a great book, and you should read it. I should read that one. I feel like, um, I think a lot of times my problem with math books is that they're written by people who don't seem to understand math I mean, this kind of goes back to like the book I was complaining about on our last episode like if you if you don't know the way that like higher level math works you think Mm -hmm. it's just a lot of like oh you calculate these things and that's what math is calculations um prime (laughs) numbers (laughs) And it's like, no, math is beating your head against a wall because you don't know if this one piece of your proof is true. Well, okay, Jenny, but that's not sexy. (laughs) Oh, right. Sorry. I forgot our math fiction has to be sexy. (laughs) (laughs) It's not. I'm trying to think of a way that would make math, like, accessible without it being the worst yeah well you know you know a book i mean you brought this up i think a book that did it really well was the housekeeper and the professor by yoko ogawa well yeah i mean i guess maybe i don't know enough number theory to be like oh i have these nitpicky issues with it but i felt like that did a really good job of like presenting math as it is but also making it feel accessible yeah and he walks through several proofs, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, okay. Anyway, back, Let's get back to on Project Hailmary. <laughs> okay, so when you and I like read this book together, we had like a hour long discussion about it and brought up some of our like different angles. So, what were some of the interesting angles that you think this book brought up, or like ideas that this book gave you? I think one big thing is, well, there's, Violent Grace is on this spaceship by himself, and man is lonely. 
he comes across an alien spaceship and his instinct is to try to communicate with this unknown. Incidentally, Rocky, who is in the alien spaceship, is also alone. Everyone else is dead. And so he wants to talk to Ryland Grace. And so I guess does loneliness make you kinder? Does it make you more accepting? And does it change your definition of collective we? Like, and by that I mean, when Ryland Grace was on Earth, his we was him and his middle school students. He's like, I'm doing this for them. Like, I'm doing this research on the astrophage for them. And he's forced to, like, participate in this big project to save the Earth. And now his we is humanity. And when he meets Rocky, I feel like his definition of, like, we is like earth and rocky and all of his people you know so like does isolation increase your definition of collective we that's an interesting question because like instinctively i would think that like isolation reduces it because when you don't have this community around you i would think that you would see yourself as like this sort of figure standing alone mm-hmm. um but like you're right that in this case Ryland saw it as like him and humanity as this collective we but i wonder mm-hmm. if that had to do with like his separation from humanity I, I think so because the sequence of events wouldn't have been the same if he had two other people with him as planned yeah and i also it makes me wonder like does loneliness make you more accepting as you said or does it make you like more willing to take risks because at this point if it had been hostile alien life like it wouldn't have been ryland and his crewmates dying it would just be ryland but in extension all of humans so like why does it seem like it would be easier for ryland to sacrifice potentially all of humanity if something went wrong here versus like if it was him and his crewmates they would have been much more hesitant yeah, if I think the reason why Ryland was so open to communicating with potentially hostile alien life is because he was lonely and he just wanted a friend or he wanted some type of companionship. I don't think it's because he wanted to take risks. Interesting. So you think he was willing to potentially sacrifice humanity for his own companionship? I think so because like either way He's sacrificing, he's like risking something, isn't he? Yeah. But it's not fair to, I guess, place these um, emotions on him because it's still the same scenario of you're dead or you're dead. Yeah. And so it's so, like, because to me, I almost got the the idea that like, he was just so stunned. Like, like the man at his heart was a scientist right mm-hmm. and so the idea to him of being able to contact other human life it's like a, the chance of a lifetime as a scientist and he was mm-hmm. like i gotta gotta get on it <laughs> um but it's also like who are you gonna share this with but I, yeah. I mean he was he was planning on sending information back to earth anyway so maybe he was planning to tell them about I, I, honestly i feel like there wasn't much thoughts in his head he was like "Ooh, alien let me talk to him he also didn't know the full picture of what was going on on earth yeah so maybe in his mind he didn't have much to risk yet (laughs) yeah should we talk about what this means for christianity (laughs) i would actually (laughs) love that (laughs) okay well so maybe we should give a little bit of backstory on this question (laughs) all right so Let me start this segment with an anecdote. Um, So I was in an undergrad and I was talking to my friend Naomi and this girl is all about being Christian. And I think 
she didn't know that I was Christian too and that I was already saved. But she goes and starts evangelizing to me and blah, blah, blah. God is good. Like, great, whatever. And I was just trying to think of the most zany thing, the most zany question I could ask her. And I just went, Naomi, what if tomorrow you realize that there were aliens? Should we start evangelizing the aliens? If they were as smart as us, they could feel like us. Should we convert them? And introduce them to our, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that just broke her poor brain. <laughs> and she just felt like she wasted hours of her life. Um, so I'm going to tie it back and say, should we introduce Christianity to Rocky? Well, I'm going to actually add my own anecdote to this, which is that, like, you told me this story of how you asked Naomi this question. And I was like, oh, that is like a it's a good question to think about. Um, and then I went to this it's like weekend for Mennonite college students because there's there's not a lot of us. And so, you know, there's like a little sort of retreat thing you can go to. Um, and I was there and like, you know, having conver- a lot of interesting conversations with a lot of people. And then at one conversation, I, I brought like, you know, there was a little lull. So I brought this up. I was like, all right, guys. So aliens come to Earth and they're like, you don't know if they have souls or not. But they're like as intelligent as we are. Do you evangelize to them? And I declare, Catherine, this was a popular topic of conversation. So like we have this like a whole long talk about it. And I I found out then and that like it's a theme of one of C.S. Lewis's books. I, I think it's Out of the Silent Planet. Really? And I actually have it and I need to read it. It's on my like on my tbr um and but yeah this came up in three separate conversations because it was like crowd pleaser it's a crowd pleaser yeah and like it kept coming back up and people love to talk about it um but i still i still don't know what do you so would you evangelize yeah would you evangelize to rocky yes but not right like maybe i'm more of like a scientist and not an evangelizer you know like i don't come like when i encounter new people i don't immediately like start talking about religion i would just be very curious if they had religion to begin with that is a good question because i would like to ask rocky do you believe in a higher power yeah how do you feel about that like how did you explain and it seems like they're able to communicate about these ideas so like yeah yeah it would have been i wish rylan would have (laughs) asked I know if I would have started with the basics first, like, do they have morals? Do they know what ethics is? Do they know about helping their neighbor? Do you think you can like, do you think you can have an intelligent society that doesn't know about like that doesn't have some sort of ethic or moral code? I don't know. Because in my head, like when I think about what separates like intelligent life well, I mean, intelligent versus non-intelligent. When I think about what sep- separates like humans from animals, it's that like moral compass. In some, I mean, Do you think so? That's like one of the things that comes to mind. Like as much as people like to attribute morals to their animals, like I don't think, like I don't think uh, animals have a sense of ethics. <laughs> no, they don't. Um. So, yeah, like. Maybe not surprising to me, but it seems like an interesting question. Like you would want to ask about these aliens is are do they have ethics? It's like obviously the astrophages don't. They're just like single cellular life. Yes, but then maybe it's it's a cultural thing. What if to them they believe that it is morally just to kill their mom <laughs> and take their place in the universe, you know? Yeah. So, so like so what if their one of their Ten Commandments is you must kill your mom? Like we don't know. Yeah. So like, does that mean that it's not? I mean, that is like an an ethical code or a moral code. It's just different from ours. So okay. So if they did have a higher power and a moral code that directly contradicts our own, can they be saved? Well, should they be saved? Here's the. I think here's my question under that is like is salvation for them or is like because part of me when we think about like 
should we evangelize to their aliens? My first instinct is no, they should get their own Jesus. Like we have our Jesus, they have their Jesus. <laughs> but didn't Well, I mean, I think but it raises... it's the same God, isn't it? Yeah, but what like... the same God who created the universe, but we don't know for sure if they have the Jesus that saved them. Is yeah. that what you're saying? Yeah, that is what I'm saying. And like so when you think of the fall and that sort of situation, like that's that's why Jesus is here, right? Is to like redeem us from the fall. I'm sorry, I just realized this is what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm gonna finish my thought, which is um like Jesus saved us from the fall. So the question is like, was the fall an earth-centric experience or was it a universe-centric experience? Um, because if it like if it happened over the entire universe, then I would say, like, maybe, like, Jesus would be for Rocky. What does the scripture say about that? That is a great question. And I, in my head, I think it's, like, not, from my memory, it's not super specific. Um, mm-hmm. But also, the scripture doesn't usually use language like universe and planet Earth. Um, so that's an interesting thought. Um, <laughs> I didn't I didn't think we would get quite this deep into the conversation, if I'm gonna be honest. But yeah. Well, okay. But even if they don't have their own Jesus, but they still have but there is still the one God for them. Right? Yeah. And so is that enough like that should be enough. So so do you think heaven is for the aliens? For Rocky? For Rocky? Or do you think, like, Rocky gets his own heaven? Or does Rocky even have, like, a soul? I don't know. What can we as humans do to figure that out? I don't know. Because, like, technically, the only reason I think you have a soul is because I feel like that's scriptural. Like, I don't know. Like, I couldn't interrogate you and find out if you had a soul or not. Like, the only thing I know is that you're a person. And persons have souls. It's, that's generally how I think about it, yeah. Okay. But then the question is, and so, like, I mean, along with, like, a, a moral code in my head, that's part of what separates, like, people from animals. is like, people have souls, animals don't. Mm-hmm. But then, how does that relate to aliens? Because if they, if they have morals, even if it's, like, kill your mom morals, is that enough to give you a soul? <laughs> I don't know. Listeners, help. Listeners, let us know. Would you evangelize Taraki? <laughs> I really need to read that that C.S. Lewis book. Um, my friend Corinne gave it to me for my birthday almost a year ago. And I have not read it. Um, you know, I think I'm thinking after the Brighter Winter Challenge is over for February... My next school, like for yeah. March and April, is going to be to read all the books that I've gotten as gifts that I haven't read yet. So that includes the book that you gave me on philosophy. Sophie's World. Sophie's World. Great book. Great book. Okay. Um, you know what we should talk about next episode? What? Sophie's World. Well, no, not next episode, but the one after that. Oh. Because yeah. that, that would be an interesting thing to talk about because there's so much... There's a lot Content. going on in that one, yeah. Yeah, we can jump around and talk about, like, different philosophies and stuff. Yeah. I might have to, like, go back and take some notes on some pieces of it. I'd have to actually finish mm-hmm. the book first and then yeah. go back and take some notes on pieces of it. But, yeah, maybe we should do that. Let us know, listeners. Mm-hmm. Would you enjoy hearing about Sophie's world? Anyway, we got to wrap this up, girl. We got to wrap this up. All right. What? do you think makes Rylan Grace a likable character? Well, I feel like his hopefulness is one thing. I kind of mentioned that earlier. But, like, the fact that he never quite seemed to lose heart was really impressive and, like, made him really likable. Um, Because, yeah, like, despite the fact that he was in an absolutely terrible situation, like, he was... There was something very lighthearted about his character. Um, there... I think... Go ahead. Yeah. I think there's the optimism 
but there's also the I can fix it attitude. Because if yes. there's one thing I hate in a fictional character, it is obnoxious optimism and doing nothing about it. <laughs> like. Okay, do you have an example of this? Not off the top of my head. But you know what I'm talking about. You know what? It's more prevalent in like maybe TV shows or I've seen that anime character that's like, I'm going to be the very best, does nothing about it, and is still mm. a loser. I hate that in a character. Um, but Ryland uh, Grace, he's V-proficient in many different areas. And the man is a doer. Like, he is a, a fixer and a doer. He does something. Yeah. And so I appreciate Ryland Grace for that. And also, he's a man with jokes. Yes. We appreciate a joke in a stressful or a tense situation. Yes. Um, yeah, I think we both are the type of people that, like, have a hard time not joking around in serious situations. And so... I'd yeah, say that made, so, yeah. <laughs> like, I declare I can never go to a funeral with you. Because I would, like, I would be irreverent. Which I know is terrible. But, like, if I was next to you, I you would, you'd probably lean over to me and be like, Jenny, imagine being dead. And I would go, <laughs> cringe. Cringe. It seems surprising to me that not an appropriate joke for a funeral. Um, anyway. To, like, help them. Yeah. Yeah, I would say so, too. But yeah, I feel like that makes him really likable. Now, Ryland Grace is, I would say, in personality, very similar to the main character in The Martian. I don't remember his name right now, but um, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, it's basically the same guy. Basically the same guy with a different name and, like, technically a different uh, scientific background. But, like, both of them are just ridiculously capable. Yeah. Do you think it's a problem that Andy Weir only seems to know how to write one character well? Yes. You know what's interesting? And we don't have time to talk about it, but I'm just going to bring this point up. Have you read Ar Artemis? I haven't. And also, we do have some time because there's a lot of pauses here that are going to get cut out. Okay, well, basically, it was the same character, but a girl. But somehow her being a girl made her completely insufferable. I don't know if that's the reason, but, like, to me, she seemed more annoying. But the more I think about it, the more I'm like, oh, it's the same personality, but on a girl. Yeah, I, I've heard that from a lot of other people. But I've also heard that, like, there was something something else about it that was also just not great. Although, I was, so I was talking to our friend Hayden about this. Um, and he was mentioning that, like, part of his beef with Project Hail Mary was that he... Felt like this was the character that Andy Weir knows how to write, but done not quite as well as the main Mark Watney. That was his name, as Mark Watney in the Mar in the Martian. Um, I think it was. I'm just gonna say it was Mark Watney, and if it wasn't, I don't care. Um, <laughs> well, I said yeah. liar instead of weird. <laughs> so that like it was the it was the same character, but just like not quite as great. Um. But yeah, I don't know. I think, like, Andy Weir has found what he does well, and he sticks with it. But I, I would also be interested to see, like, how he would write a, a different character, or, like, from a different character's perspective. Because he obviously, like, knows how to write people that aren't Ryland Grace or Mark Watney. Because there's other characters in the book, but we don't ever see the world through their eyes. Yes. Like, imagine yeah. how interesting it would have been to hear the story from Strat's perspective. That would have been cool. Because, like, I... Yeah. Strat is an interesting character. I don't think we talked about her much, but she's basically the person who's in charge of Project Hail Mary, which is this death mission to figure out what's wrong. And basically, the whole world has put her in charge to get things done. Honestly, I feel like Strat might have been the most intriguing character in the book. Yes, because she was willing to sacrifice all of herself. She goes out and says, I don't care if I'm going to jail after we send you to space. I'm going to do what I need to do to save humanity. Yeah, she was very much like a, a big picture person. Like her old, like she saw the end goal of saving humanity and that was all she focused on. 
So it came like blowing up the Antarctic, she would do it. Sending someone to space who did like wiping someone's memory so they would go to space unknowingly. Um, basically sending them on a death mission, she would do it. Yeah. It was like her ultimate goal was to save humanity and she would do whatever it took to get there. Yeah. Um that would be interesting. Yeah. But then I also found it interesting that she kept Ryland around so much. Like even after yeah, it was like he was always with her, always there. And I guess there was maybe this idea that like she knew he had the gene that would make him survive uh being in a coma, but this was even like even before she knew he had the gene. He was just always with her. Why do I you think, think that she was? had a big old goofy crush on him? So do you think she would like cuz part of her character is so like hard and stoic that it's hard for me to imagine her like feeling emotions. Well, if she would feel emotions for anyone, it would be Rylan Grace. It's true. It was like the person she spent the most time with. Mhm. If anyone knew her, it was Rylan Grace. And to be known yeah, is to be loved. <laughs> exactly. And he was the only one that got her to compromise on anything. Like when? Like when he asked to be part of the project, even though he was supposedly done. True. When he wanted more astrophages to experiment on, she gave them to him, even mm-hmm. though a hot commodity. True. I guess there was also the time that they were like going through the metal detector or something. He was like, come on, just, like, she had to give up her weapons i don't remember what it was he was like come on just do it and he was the only one who was able to convince her to like put her stuff down and just go through the metal detector or whatever yeah also i just realized um no actually this wouldn't have worked i'm stupid what i was gonna say (laughs) i was i was thinking about a solution for the people on earth and i was thinking why couldn't they just have used the astrophage to like make energy and make make um oh to make the heat. earth hot yeah but it's all from the sun so it's still from the same yeah source because the astrophage wouldn't be able to really get the sun's light then at that point right yeah and then the question is how much heat did the astrophage take from the sun because they were making so much of it? Right, because they, like, covered the Sahara <laughs> in these panels to make the astrophage. I forgot about that. Okay, so let's wrap this up and finish up on a final bit. We're going to make each book episode have a final bit. And this is the final bit for this episode. Uh, so let's say it's the TV show Survivor. I'm just going to assume that all our listeners are familiar with this setting. Um, and all the characters from this book, including the alien ones, but not Astrophages and Tau Ceti, because that doesn't make any sense, but, like, Rocky's also in here. All of them are in this, on, maybe, like, all of them are in this game of Survivor. Who wins? I'm gonna say that Rocky, he is a spider made of rock. Like, you need him around for the physical challenges. That creature, super helpful. He's strong and smart. You need to keep him around till the merge. Yeah, but he has to be an immediate like pre-merge boot because he's too lovable. Post-merge? Sorry, post-merge boot is what I meant. Or like sometimes they do it like right before the merge. Yeah, you know? I think so because... He's too physical, he's too smart, and those are all all good attributes before the merge, but then after, no. Yeah. I think um, um he's also a little bit too likable. And yeah. everybody loves him, so he has to go. I feel like same similar story for Ryland. Like I think Ryland is going to be a like final four boot. Like he makes it really far and then right at final four or final five they're like if we let him go any further, he's winning this thing. And they all boot him. Yes. Um, and, like, the whole time, I feel like he's he's gonna be fighting to stay in it for Rocky. He's like, I gotta avenge my buddy Rocky. But, like, he can't do it. Yeah. 
And then there's Strauss. Strat. Strat. <laughs> Strat. I think she she has she to win, make right? It, yeah, she has to win. Because I think her move is going to be to convince Ryland to stay loyal to her. Maybe they have a little bit of will they, won't they? And then she stabs him in the back and she wins Survivor. Yeah, because I feel like Survivor is a lot of like, can you can you lie, cheat, and steal and still be like relatively likable? Yeah. And I, I mean, Strat's likability is debatable. But she does, she has very much this mindset of like, I'll do anything for my goals. Mm-hmm. And I think that is the type of attitude that helps you win the game of Survivor. Oh, for sure. I feel like the runner-up would probably be, like, I don't know, some... The Russian girl. Maybe the girl. Russian girl. Yeah. Yeah, the Russian girl who died in the coma. Yeah, or maybe, like... She's too likable, though. Maybe one of the scientists, actually. Oh. Um, maybe the girl scientist. Yes. I love that we're all introducing these new characters at the end. I promise they weren't important. Well, they weren't like that important. I, we should have probably talked about Strat earlier because she was, she was. I think the character that made me think the most. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I think Strat would be the winner. Cool. Love this game. Love this game. Uh, this all is, right. Well, this is gonna be really good for other books too. Yeah, I think so. This okay. has been Idiot's Alphabet Soup. Thanks for listening. Baboosh!
they're 